0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. Hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. In one of the top two most surprising and even unsettling changes of power this month, this is Chris (laughs) DeMuth hosting, having seized the microphone from my colleague Andrew Walker, who joins me today. It is Wednesday, January 4th, 2017, and today is our first podcast of the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we are going to talk about Apple's new bet and Jack in the Box's tacos.
1: I don't know that they're new tacos, but tacos. (laughs) They're definitely not new tacos. (laughs) Which
0: according to one diner quoted by the Wall Street Journal are vile and amazing, both at the same time. Uh, So to start with, to kick it off uh, for the new year, Apple is investing a billion dollars, chump change for Apple, which is a $620 billion company, but still a very interesting investment, and a lot of money for most other people, uh, including me, uh, but uh, they're putting a billion in SoftBank's new tech fund. And I uh, just wanted to start to uh, see this is interesting news to me. But why do you think – why are they doing this?
1: Yeah, so look, th- there's a lot of things going on here. I, I want to dive into SoftBank. I want to dive into the $100 billion tech fund. But you asked, so let's answer, why are, Why is Apple uh, investing into the $100 billion SoftBank fund? And I think the answer really is, look, Apple's got $290 billion. I think something like $200 billion of it is offshore where it would be mm-hmm. subject to a re- re- repatriation tax. Uh, they said they made a billion dollar investment in Didi, the Chinese, the Chinese Uber a couple months ago. And they said, don't expect us to do anything like this going forward. And then they do this. Mm -hmm. I think they really did the calculus and said, Hey, we take this billion dollars. We invested in this fund. We've got a deep relationship with SoftBank. It's really about buying political capital with SoftBank and other tech companies and everything. And we can use money that we otherwise couldn't access and use to do that. So I, I really think it's the political capital aspect that Apple's doing it, not necessarily a fantastic return on investment.
0: That makes sense to me. I think Tim Cook is more willing to partner uh, than Steve Jobs was. And uh, they're in a bit of a hole politically in the U.S. Just one year ago, uh the president elect was tweeting that we should boycott Apple, uh, although he quickly returned to his Apple computer uh, after saying that. But uh, um, Masa's son, uh, masayoshi son, uh, the head of SoftBank, is, is brilliant in many ways, uh, including finding tech. Uh, candidates, but also he's pretty politically savvy, and uh, I think he is probably one of the first people to really figure out how to handle the new American political environment. And so, ironically, you have this American company turning to a Japanese company to handle
1: America. Yeah, but let's talk about the fund because I, sure. you know, this is a hundred billion dollar fund, which I, I think you're exactly right. He raises this fifty billion, hundred billion dollar fund. And promises Donald Trump, I'm going to invest and create... I think it's 50,000 jobs. Is that is that the right number? I'm going to invest and create $50,000 jobs. And this is what Donald Trump wants, right? He wants big, flashy headlines. I don't think he cares about the logic or the, the logic or anything behind it. But this is a staggering number that I guarantee you cannot be invested into startups. Uh, the entire venture capital industry last year, I believe, invested roughly $75 billion. So... Fifty billion dollars, even if it's spread out over five years, ten billion dollars a year. It, it, it's so massive they can't find the startups to do it. And the law of diminishing returns says even if they did, the you know, just because you throw another billion dollars out there doesn't mean there's going to be better code or better apps, right? Uh, these are very. This is a very well-funded industry. I, I think they're going to have to either say, "Oh yeah, we're doing it because we're investing another ten billion dollars into an Uber or something," or find some other ways around it because. It's just too big to find startups to put it into.
0: If you look at the money behind it, the backers not just SoftBank and now Apple, but also the Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds, uh, notably uh, the largest being a forty-five billion dollar ticket from the Saudis. Although there'll be others from uh, Qatar and Emirates. Um, I think the idea that some part of this is a protection racket uh, politically uh, would make sense. Yeah, you know, if you are going to, even if you are going to do a billion dollar. ticket, tickets, you have to come up with your
1: 100th favorite uh, uh, startup idea, and it's just not going to be that promising. It's not even your 100th favorite. I mean, look, the, the big startups now, they are in general, they scale really quickly, right? Like Facebook, to get off the ground did not require a billion dollars, you're going to have to put it into your 10,000th favorite startup yeah. idea if you're going to do this. Yeah. Do uh, you want to talk about SoftBank a little bit? Sure. Uh, SoftBank, a fascinating
0: company, uh, Masayoshi-san. Uh, was uh, an early backer of some uh, remarkable companies uh, such as Alibaba. Uh, he uh, he has a good relationship uh, with Apple. Amazingly enough, a fairly well-known story. He was uh, somebody who early had sketched out iPhone uh, mm-hmm. drawings, uh, but uh, in the process ended up kind of cornering the market for iPhone uh, 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 a telecom in Japan. Uh, he kind of took that idea to uh, Steve Jobs uh, as a representative of uh, somebody who could uh, handle the market in Japan but he convinced on the Japanese side that he could handle Steve Jobs so he kind of uh,
1: ended up right in the middle of this so the the story, he went to Steve Jobs and exactly what you're saying, he had a picture and he drew like an, an iPod at the time that was also a phone and he said, hey, why don't you make this? And Steve Jobs said We're going to do that. And he said, okay, if you're going to – Masayoshi Shun said, okay, if you're going to do that, why don't you let me distribute in Japan? Steve Jobs said, you don't even have a telecom. (laughs) And he said, that's not a problem. I'll get a telecom. You've got my word. Just let me distribute it. And uh, it, it was great.
0: Yeah. So, but, I mean, he's an incredibly audacious, incredibly charismatic, brilliant person.
1: But look, just that that alone would have been the investment of a lifetime, yeah. right? Locking, but then he invested in Supercell, the game company. And that was uh, – he ended up selling it to, uh, I believe, Tencent for 9 or $10 billion. He was an early investor in Alibaba. Just those two investments alone would have been the investments of a lifetime. Uh, but I do think, like, he, he recently bought – uh, Arm Holdings, which is a semiconductor, they they kind of license IP for semiconductors for thirty two billion dollars, and he said it's part of his three hundred year plan. Which I, you know, I get long term planning, and you can have an advantage long term planning. But if you're, you know, if you're planning for three hundred years or even thirty years in the future, I just I just don't think there's anyone who can see, you know, t- more than ten years into the future to be able to make these sort of investments. What do you think?
0: No, I, I think if you look at uh, a lot of long-term value investors in the West, like Warren Buffett, might shy away from tech precisely for that reason. I mean, you, uh, you know, you um, look uh, with the change of the year. I saw some kind of uh, charming and interesting descriptions of what the world was like a hundred years ago, and the idea that you could predict a lot of the changes in those increments—it's a fun mental game. Uh, but uh, and, and 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 he would be as good as anybody at coming up with a credible answer. But I would say it's impossible. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, if in 1910 somebody had asked you what the best investment was going to be for the next 100 years you probably would have said railroads i would guess or cars and obviously in either case you a you probably would have been wrong and b you have to pick the winner like i just i can't imagine investing in something in that and like who's to say chips are what's going to power everything in a 100 years or i don't know it it just it's too long to me and it's one of those silly things people like to brag about that i just think it's impossible It's impossible.
0: The the last thing uh, before switching over to our second big topic from today, I'd throw out on uh, Mosselson is that uh, he, uh, you know, he was a world class bluffer in a sense dealing with Steve Jobs. I think he can recognize world class bluffers as well. Uh, He recently met with the president elect in the U.S. Um, and uh, there's been a number of these instances of people walking into Trump meetings without folders so people in the press with high-def cameras can quickly see what the papers say. And uh, he uh, notably close to Foxconn, the uh, company that does the manufacturing in Asia for Apple, uh, for the iPhone in particular, Uh, but he had kind of stationary and papers from Foxconn. So um, it's possible that he has some plan to bridge the Trumpian bring manufacturing back to the U.S., uh, which in many cases is impractical, with an actual idea of something they can do. And and and, and, and there might be some savvy answers. Uh, Apple prominently has designed in California, which I think is kind of an elegant mm-hmm. bit of Americana, although they're clearly assembled in Asia. Uh, and and, uh, and son might have some idea here on how to uh, handle so, this. Problem. So
1: Foxconn, I was telling you earlier, uh, in Brazil, Brazil uh, I believe they passed a law that said all smartphones must be uh put together in Brazil. So Foxconn kind of was just like, "Okay, no problem. We'll still make everything in China and then they just ship like one or two modules over to Brazil where they ship the modules over to Brazil. Brazil puts the two modules together and boom, working smartphone." So if Donald Trump wants an iPhone assembled in the USA, I'm sure they're willing to do it. It's just a question of how much are we willing to pay you know that cost has to be passed on to someone it's going to get passed on to consumers if you want all of it made in the USA it can be but then we're going to pay $2000 for an iPhone so it, exactly yeah. right.
0: i mean when when the politics starts uh, starts being injected in how the supply chain works it's it's it can it just the Costs go to the consumers, but also the counterfactual is very hard to judge. You know, in this carrier deal recently, it's very hard to measure the job impact because they were otherwise going to leave the U.S., but the money that they were paid, if there's a word that's slightly nicer than bribe, but the money that they were paid off to keep in the U.S., they're going to spend on automation. So yep. it's not clear there's really a net j- job impact uh, if you look at all of the impact. Um, anything else that we should talk about, Apple, or can we move on to Jack in the Box? I'm happy to go to Jack in the Box. Well, uh, it's time to discuss tacos. Uh, so a piece in the journal uh, caught our attention. It was some really wonderful quotes I'll tick off uh, before handing over to you uh, the topic of Jack in the Box and their tacos. Um, but these this is really interesting. They said, uh, <laughs> Over half a billion of these tacos are consumed in the U.S. Uh, if you have not had one, the description, and th- these descriptions, I believe, <laughs> are all by people who voluntarily bought and ate them, fans, and it was stale, greasy, spicy, crunchy, saucy, and just plain strange. I was like, I must have more. This is vile and amazing. Amazing. Uh, And and the other comment that, uh, that once you pull it out of the sleeve, it's important to not look at it too carefully before you should eat it. You should just kind of remove the covering and then eat it right away without thinking about it too much.
1: I think my favorite was there was one from a girl and she's like, yeah, I went and I ordered it. I, I was going through and I kind of ordered it because it was two for 99 cents and I took a bite and was like, oh, this is disgusting and threw it on the seat of the car seat next to me. And then it, like 30 seconds later, I started looking at it and slowly grabbed it and just like woofed the whole thing down. <laughs> it's like It almost feels like someone's describing like a drug or heroin or something. <laughs> it's well, so bad, but it's so good. Well, speaking of drugs, I think this would
0: be a pretty good kind of marijuana legalization trade that I <laughs> (laughs) if you were completely sober and completely clean, the attractiveness of this would be substantially lower uh, than if you were not. Um, The serious question I want, somewhat serious question I wanted to ask you, is the price, these are two for 99 cents. Mm -hmm. So this is slightly less than half a dollar for an animal-based product. Uh, uh, We are price-sensitive value investors, but uh, when is price more of a data point than an
1: opportunity? And
0: might this be that case? It, it's...
1: Yeah. A, yes, I think it is. But it's such a great question. You know, like, you go to a dentist and a dentist says, oh, yeah, a $1,000 for a root canal. And you go to the guy across the street and he says, 950 And then you go to the third guy and he says, $10. It's kind of like that $10. You're probably not going to want to spend that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's so difficult. It's one of those things... If, so, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. You know, we talk about this a lot with kind of being debunkers. Uh, it, you know, I see it's year-end and you see a lot of people who tweet like, last year our trade recommendations were up. it's like, well, maybe, but they probably weren't because if they were, you'd probably be keeping them to yourselves because you'd be rich in a very short amount of time if you could compound money that quickly. Uh, Obviously, these tacos are getting sold, but kind of the processing behind them is probably too good to be true to be actual tacos.
0: The the way I think about it, whenever something seems too cheap, which for me, I I struggle even to say those Mm -hmm. words next to each other, I I think the cheaper the better Uh, relative to the value. uh, The bigger the discount, the better. But when it's tiny, you know, geez, you should not rely on precision. You should rely on underpaying. But when it gets to be ridiculous, especially if there's not a good explanation for why should the value be hidden there, you should just... Go back to your premises, re-examine your premises, just double, triple, quadruple, quintuple your work, and uh, maybe you found something amazing. But to be very careful,
1: I, I think it's also one of those things. Look, it, how much, how big is the downside? And you know, if you're getting work on your tooth done or you're putting something into the, your body, the downside is actually pretty large. So generally, you, you probably don't want to deviate too far outside the kind of accepted price norms. But if it's not something mission critical, you know, it'd be that what it is. If you're if you're buying a shirt and you see a shirt for a dollar, like what's the worst that can happen if you buy a shirt for a dollar instead of ten dollars? You might as well take a chance. Uh, did you ever hear the story about the TGI Fridays all you can eat appetizers? No. Okay, so TGI Fridays. We're just going way off course here. Okay. TGI sure. Fridays did. Uh, and all-you-can-eat appetizer – It for uh, $10, all-you-can-eat appetizers. And it kind of reminded me of you because some writer told their boss about it and they, was like, I think I'm going to go and try and eat 100 mozzarella sticks. And their boss was like, if you go do that, uh, you can have like an entire week off or something. And they did it and they were not happy with themselves. <laughs>
0: It's hard sometimes when the metrics get confusing because you have the whole money-saving metrics, but then you have the whole health and uh, oh, ability to
1: But um, – We've got to mention the guy who ate – go, go, saying, go, we, go we, yeah. Absolutely. No,
0: I'll, I'll leave it to you, but we have to uh, – speaking of food eating contests, there was somebody who did uh, endeavor to eat 50 – Of the Jack in the Box
1: of Beef Tacos. How did that go? (laughs) So he said he was gonna eat 50, and then he did, after he bought them, he realized he's like, oh my God, this is, it was almost 10 pounds worth of food. But my two favorite parts of it are he got to 42 of them, which is incredible. That's like seven or eight pounds of food. And he's like, yeah, I, I still love them, still eat them all the time.
0: Which, and to remind everybody, I mean, this is the whole thing is fried after the basic tacos put together, and then they just stick a thing of American cheese in there, which it, the definition of American cheese is just bad cheddar cheese. I mean, it's not like a separate category, uh, it's not even really. A dairy product. So anyways, um, I, I was going to ask you, did you have any disclosure uh, that you needed to uh, say on any of these? We
1: products? should disclose that we got so excited about the the box tacos that we ate tacos for dinner right we before did, this podcast. <laughs> we did that. We
0: did not find... Uh, I was going to send somebody out to get Jack in the Box tacos. Apparently there's none uh, in uh, this area.
1: I think our New Year's resolution should be we should try a Jack in the Box taco at some point this I, year. I, I think we should. Excellent. Um,
0: uh, if you like this podcast, please be sure to to follow and read us on itunes stitcher or audio boom and um i was just for my disclosure i was going to i needed a time limit because people aren't going <laughs> to hear this whole thing but i'm going to get uh, as many uh ingredients as i can disclose out before the end of the podcast <laughs> three um, seconds three and seconds. then i'm just going to end it <laughs> oh dear this is pressure here we go beef water textured vegetable protein, done so- <laughs> talk to you guys soon